0: welcome to Restart Radio. This is a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behaviour towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Lauren from The Restart Project and I'll be your host today. And I'm here with Dougie Brown from Cassini Sound. Hi, Dougie.
1: Hi, nice to be back.
0: And Ben Skidmore, who is a regular restart volunteer. Hi, Ben. Hey. And today we're talking about 3D sound. Um, And we did an episode a while ago on VR. And one of the questions that came up in this episode was why 3D sound seemed to get so much less attention than the visual counterparts, so VR and AR. Um, So, I mean, I guess we'll start by sort of saying, like, what is 3D sound? I mean, it's not just stereo, and it's not surround sound either. So, I mean, how do we describe 3D sound? Um, Ben, do you want to Yeah, so, um,
2: you know, our our, uh, bodies have uh, evolved to basically figure out where things are. So, you know, we don't think about it, but when we hear a sound, we know if it's behind us, to the left, to the right, close, far. And the way we do it is um, the sound reaches our ears at different times, and also different volumes depending on where it is. And we naturally decode this and figure it out. So we've learned how to basically uh, recreate this with sound we've made ourselves.
0: Right, so it's kind of situating the listener in three-dimensional space. Yeah. Um, And I mean, what does 3D sound actually sound like? Like how would you describe the sensation of 3D sound? Dougie, do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the idea is that it's supposed to be as realistic as possible. So it basically, um, I think you are talking about this kind of buzz, buzzwords people use about it, like hacking your brain into thinking that something's behind you. But it's essentially just using the techniques that are in nature, which is, you know, uh, the shape of your ear, the time that sound takes to get to each one of your ears. It's just using that in a clever way to make you feel like a sound is where it's telling you it is
0: yeah i mean i think they definitely do this thing of sort of jazzing it up with buzzwords i mean mm-hmm. 3d sound when when i heard it for the first time i was kind of like aware that i would actually heard it before but just hadn't had the word for it you know like mm-hmm. often it's sort of in in songs in songs that are already recorded with binaural and then you just haven't really noticed it mm-hmm. or like And there are places you can go online and just like click a button and it'll sort of play a sample of like water rushing around. And it does sound more immersive, but it's not something that makes you like stop and go, whoa, this is a completely unfamiliar experience, (laughs) which is definitely what happened the first time I used VR. Um, Mm. But yeah, this idea of hacking your brain, I mean, that sounds kind of scary and sinister. (laughs) It's not really like transmitting tiny little waves into your brain and like, you know, sending you mad, is it? It's just sort of reorientating you.
1: Yeah, um, so I mean, I guess um, it's kind of people use language like that to kind of uh, generate a bit of interest around it. But it's been around for ages, for like nearly a century, basically. Um, and it's originally, um, people just used to make fake ears and fake heads and then put a microphone where, you know, the diaphragm in your ear is.
0: Yes. And then
1: record the sound like that. And that would that would literally do the job. That would create binaural sound.
0: Yeah, it seems so like kind of primitive and simple in a way doesn't it this idea of literally just like i have a head i'm going to make another head and like maybe yeah. that head will hear it's a, a super simple do.
1: idea yeah mm. like i mean it's it's interesting that it kind of people do still talk about it as if it's this incredible brand new thing whereas the idea is pretty straightforward right mm.
2: Mm. imitating nature you know is, yeah. is a great way to success a lot of uh, robotics develops you know, first by looking at how animals or how people do something, you know, how do they balance, how do they mm. walk, and trying to emulate that with the robot, and then you can develop it. So actually nature got there first.
0: Yeah, that's true. I ter- <laughs> the ter- human head, DARPA the robots. ultimate 3D listening gadget. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we mentioned that it was developed about a century ago, but just to specify, it was sort of in 1933, there was the World Fair and T A&T, A T and t Bell Laboratories had this dummy head, which they called Oscar, Um, And, yeah, it was, like you said, essentially a man's head with microphones for ears. And then there was sort of, I think the head was connected to headphones that people were listening in Mm -hmm. and and they could then hear exactly what the head was hearing and it was a huge hit at the World Fair. And Mm. then it went on the market as the theatre phone, which was supposed to be this big revolutionary device. I'm not really sure what it looked like or what it did, but, (laughs) you know, theatre phone. And then it disappeared for, what, seven years? Mm. So... I mean, why, if this technology really has been around since 1933, or the idea of it—not the technology itself—but like, if the principle of it has been there, why hasn't it been exploited earlier? Why do you think only now is it like coming in again?
2: I think for a while, um, the technology to make it work for, for home users and and stuff like that wasn't always there, and. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, when we developed stereo sound, so we realised initially we wanted to say, okay, every instrument has its own speaker to reproduce the sound in the 20s and the 30s, and that's impractical for a whole orchestra. So we realised, well, we have two ears, so we can have two speakers. And that kind of, you know, people took that and ran with it, and so much of uh, early music recording was developed for stereo, and uh, that was kind of enough, you know? There was enough creative outlet there Mm. um, that they just didn't need to go more complicated.
1: Right, I see. Mm. Um, and I think I think with the the reason it's kind of popping up again now is like what you're talking about the emergence of VR, and people wanting to pair VR with uh, the equivalent sound. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the games industry has been doing this for quite quite a while, basically. Right. Um, and and 3D sound is is part of loads of computer games. You know, all games have objects in the game world that make sound. In space and so uh, we we do quite a lot of sound design for games and we do music for games and basically we that's what we do we 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 go into the game world and we place uh, the sound of a bird tweeting where we want the bird to be in the tree Mm. and then the game engine just says to the player that birds over there right and it does that um using a a various various sort of techniques including binaural processing which is now being done digitally as well as sort of the recording that we were talking about before
0: yeah so how how long do you think 3d sound has been used in the gaming industry
1: um i mean i'm not actually sure when the first sort of 3d sound came about i guess it was probably being brought in when first 3d games were brought in Mm. but um it's it's been integral for a long time you know especially with first person games the kind of head that we were talking about before the recording head essentially when you're playing a first person game what you see on the screen is from the from the point of view of a head mm. so you have to have that left and right and up and down and forwards and back yeah because otherwise the game would just be flat and the sound wouldn't make any sense
0: yeah right and so with this development of 3d sound within gaming that is all that's nothing to do with the actual hardware of the headphones you're using to game, right? It's to do with the software yeah, exactly. internal to the game.
1: Yeah, that's it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And like, I think that the, the VR point, the idea that it is now coming about because of VR, like mm. the 3D sound paired with that virtual reality experience is incredible, like yeah, yeah. I've only done it once. But I think, and I mean, we talked about, you talked about this a bit on the radio show with Janet, people mm. tend to notice the visuals of what they're experiencing a lot more than then they notice the audio but that's not to say the audio is not as important if not more important like yeah, when you're definitely. watching a film you kind of don't notice like the little sounds that are happening in the background like the fact that when pers- when someone goes outside as opposed to being inside like their surroundings will sound different yeah and um i think like when when i did this vr thing if if someone had said to me like what was the thing that you took away from that experience that was incredible i would have said oh it was the visuals it was being in that in that space and seeing everything around me but if i'd taken away the audio like it wouldn't mm-hmm. have nearly been that incredible mm-hmm. and i mean what is it about sort of audio that that sort of means that it is kind of le- like less i don't know mm. it's less of a big deal in the mainstream mainstream kind of popular understanding of technology for some reason or it's more like insular i I
2: think um you know like the visuals are the most important because you can fit so much information in an image and Mm -hmm. and we you know our bodies take in so much information all the time uh from our eyes and probably the next most important sense is hearing um and then the others like you know taste and smell you could use those to create virtual reality but they're less crucial yeah Mm -hmm. um but i think we've just put so much focus on the visual that it it's kind of like a snowball effect. More people develop hardware and software and then more people try it out and improve it because yeah. they're thinking about it.
1: But yeah. ultimately,
2: the real immersion comes when you can trick your entire
1: sensory yeah, system. That's it. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. And, and I think also, um, you know, we're, we're primarily, we're generally visual beings, mm. um, first and foremost. Um, and I think there's a lot uh, to be said for the two senses working together to kind of make... Uh, make up for when either one is lacking if Mm -hmm. you see what I mean Mm -hmm. so so uh, in a you know you might watch a film at home with two speakers and something might happen off screen and it doesn't have to you know the sound doesn't actually have to have come from off screen it can come from you know the left speaker Mm. and because you don't see it happen on the screen and you kind of go oh that well that must have that must have happened off screen Mm. so it's not actually happening behind you but your, the combination of your sight and your hearing is letting you know that that's what's going on.
0: Yeah, and that's, I guess, what kind of plays into this idea of it literally playing with your senses and sort of mm. tricking you into thinking that you're in a space. Yeah. And that level of immersion, I think, is like kind of scary for some people, and they see mm. that as creating this whole different world.
1: Yeah, um, totally.
0: And I know Nick Cave actually released an audio book that was recorded in 3d sound which was an audiobook rendering of his of his novel um and i read this quote from the evening standard that said in front of my eyes i'm seeing why this innovation is being hailed as the latest death knell for the printed book <laughs> that that innovation being 3d sound mm-hmm. so like if people okay. have a 3d audiobook, you know then that's the end of the book and it's the same way that like vr is the end of cinema mm-hmm. and like This is all the end of real life. We're all gonna be wandering around in sort of virtual realities the whole time or like 3D audio. But I mean, we were talking a bit about whether people really want that. I mean, Mm. do you want, do you kind of want, if you're just listening to the radio, do you want to sound, do you want it to sound like someone's directly behind you or like sitting to your left? Mm. I mean, like, is that not just a bit disorientating and kind of scary?
2: Yeah, I I think an interesting kind of uh, point that I've picked up on is uh, you know, I got a really nice TV last year. I spent a long time shopping around and I thought about the image quality in movies and games and, and then I thought, you know, you don't need to watch the news in HD
1: because mm. it's just information.
2: <laughs> and so there's always going to be something you don't really need the full experience for.
1: Yeah. But um, for art. Oh, yeah, no, sorry, go on. The art, the uh, art yeah, you know, I think
2: there's, there's so much uh, artistic merit in this rather than recreating real life. You're actually creating an experience for someone.
0: Yeah, I mean, that said, Radio Lab did do a radio show that was the first um, 3D radio show, and it was cool. I mean, (laughs) I enjoyed it. They had We don't, sadly, have no 3D sounds to play for you today. You can kind of look it up, but, um, yeah, you know, there was just one point at which it sounded like I was genuinely underwater, and that was cool. But I think, like, you know, if you're driving or something, you don't kind of want to sound like you're underwater. That's sort of a bad idea. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is a time and a place for it. I think art, I mean... Doug, you were saying earlier that you think, especially considering if you turn a space into sort of like an immersive space where you walk yeah. in there and the experience begins when you walk in and then mm. ends when you walk out. Yeah. I mean, do we know of anything like that that's been done with 3D sound or?
1: Um, I know, I I don't know of um, 3D sound specifically. I'm sure people are, are doing this, but um, I did do some stuff um, quite a while ago with very directional speakers. Um so in the gallery basically you could stand in a very specific spot and you would hear something that you weren't hearing in the rest of the room. So it was kind of a nice way of getting a very pinpoint sound and I imagine that with this kind of 3D stuff that you're talking about that was on Radio Lab you could have a really cool kind of visual experience that if you stood in the middle of it you had this incredible wash of sound that's changing and making you feel like you're there or you could just kind of stand at the back and hear it normally and, you know, it's a different way for people to experience visual and audio art like all happening at once.
0: Yeah, great. You are listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.fm. I'm Lauren and I'm here with Dougie Brown from Cassini Sound and Bed Skidmore who is a Restart volunteer. And we've been talking about 3D sound, which if you haven't heard the first half, just to recap, is not surround sound and it's not just stereo. It's an immersive auditory experience, which makes it sound like you're really in the place that is what you're listening to. Um, and so we've talked a bit about the history and about how this technology has been around for a while. and um, Recently, there's been this development by a rocket scientist, actually, from Princeton, <laughs> and I mean, we've looked a bit into sort of um, the. T- it's called a bark filter, this thing that he's come up with, um, and that's an acronym. It's it's sort of playing on also this idea of bark being a big musical inspiration, obviously, but um, yeah, it's B A C C H filter, um, and basically, it's this thing that you can add to any existing headphones or speakers that will transform it into a 3D sound device. So this is obviously really appealing from a restart perspective because our aim is to reduce waste mm-hmm. and reduce the amount of objects we're buying. Yeah. Um, and so if you have something you can add on to headphones already I mean that's great. Um, but I mean it like we kind of looked a bit into how it works. It's very complicated. It's to to do with an algorithm. I mean you were saying Ben that mm that often the sort of, like, software aspect of it is sort of different to... I mean, you work more with the hardware of, of mm. audio, don't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, these days, when people say engineering, um, it really means maps. It's it's analysis. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so what they've done is they've taken things like the Oscar model from 100 years ago um, and, and newer research, worked out the mathematical model, and you can recreate that using software rather than hardware. So... Um, something we would have done in the past with a, a complicated piece of hardware can now be put as like a plug in to your laptop or your phone um in mm. the same way as you have like an equalizer or a, a reverb that you can go and switch on it's really just a digital filter yeah and that's the idea of the of the bark
1: and and it happens uh dynamically and live which is the important thing in games so f- again from our perspective uh if you if you heard the bird in the tree and you'd recorded it with Oscar the bird would always be in the tree at the top left of you where you recorded it yeah. whereas if you, you're in a game you're going to be moving around and again in a VR experience you're going to be looking around you're going to be changing your uh, your relationship to the sound and so these plugins are essential for that because they basically do it on the fly and change the processing that's on that bird in the tree right? Uh, dynamically.
0: Okay that's interesting and but I mean when you're gaming I guess like usually you're using a set of headphones is that well, I guess it depends, doesn't I, it? Kinda it kind of depends, yeah. yeah. I
1: think a lot of people do, but yeah, it's not definitely not essential.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the thing about binaural recording is that before this bark filter, or before this technology was invented, um, it kind of, it works sort of with speakers, but like not really, not properly. Mm. Mm. And now with this technology, you can actually turn stereo speakers into, like you were saying, they create this field of space mm-hmm. yeah. where everything is algorithmically planned. So... Now suddenly, the experience of listening to 3D audio can become communal. You know, yeah. it's not it's not this personal listening experience anymore, and that is significant because it makes it closer to the experience of like seeing a live performance, for example. Yeah. I
1: think I think that was kind of uh, his uh, his his thinking that uh, Bach and a lot of other classical composers basically um, designed their their pieces to be played in a specific space by a specific instrument and a specific number of people in the space listening and all that kind of thing. Like, it is very detailed. So I think his idea is that um, you'll be able to kind of recreate that experience as mm. close as possible to how Bach would have actually wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. So have like a literal map of the stage and then sort mm. of plan that out algorithmically. Mm. I mean, it is turning the concert experience into mass. I mean, but like, what do you think, Ben? Do you think that bark would how do you think bark would have felt about the idea of yeah, someone I, experiencing his concert as a concert but from their living room i, I mean, mean
2: there's a world of difference i don't know how how well i can empathize given it was a different time in a different world but um but live music is, is a full experience and it's not just the all five senses that play into it but also your anticipation the location yeah. traveling you know um if you're there with friends or mm. if mm. it's something you've seen before or you haven't all of this changes your experience so i think we're never going to recreate uh the real experience yeah Yeah. and that's why personally i think it has more value for um create new creativity should Mm. we say
1: Mm. yeah definitely i don't think you should be trying to do anything like replace the feeling of going to a gig and and seeing live music Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would just be bad news for musicians, wouldn't it? Like, first comes Spotify and then you're making all your money off gigs and then, no, sorry, but it, <laughs> 3D but it sound. it great for a
2: webcast, couldn't it? You yeah. Know, you could do a live gig from your living room, broadcast to hundreds of other people. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: a really good point. Um, and so actually on that note of other uses for other future uses for 3D sound, um, we've come across this interesting technology, which is actually from a Guardian article, which is a set of headphones. Um, sorry, not headphones. It's like, an, it's like an earpiece that is used mm-hmm. for the blind to help them navigate cities, and it's developed in collaboration with Microsoft and the Guide Dogs charity. Mm. And the idea is that it provides this 3D soundscape. So as you're walking through the city, mm-hmm. you hear the sound of your feet on the pavement, and if you go off track, it like gives you this like whoosh sound, which sounds okay. like you've sort of veered off into foliage or something. Right, I don't okay. know why they decided to choose that. so
2: it's kind of creating um uh, a set of languages that that you don't need to it's not gonna be beeping or hazard noises no, yeah, or something yeah. Like that. it's more yeah. sort of
0: yeah the, Softer. Or, exactly organic noises that you would hear as you're moving through a yeah. city yeah yeah but i think that's interesting that idea of turning visual cues into auditory ones mm-hmm. you know so like rather than seeing a kind of a shop across the road to your left to your far left you get some sort of signal some sort mm-hmm. of noise coming from that shop which tells you like it's a pharmacy but you can position that in space and think okay that's to my left mm-hmm. and over there and like as people get used to using that do you think that could sort of i mean it's a potential it's connected closely to this idea of smart cities in a way because mm-hmm. like what if the buildings could talk back as like the next mm-hmm. question but um i mean yeah do you think that kind of maybe is rather than gigs and music which is what we mm-hmm. tend to automatically think of when we think of audio technology. Yeah. Mm. How do so it, you think
2: it could be assistive technology? Um the the human brain is amazing. Uh there's a guy who is colorblind and he's an artist and he's to basically taken a camera and it creates uh, a frequency based on what color it's seeing. Mm. And at first he had it break it down into I think 16 different frequencies so he could obviously tell which one was which. And then he he acclimatized to that and learned and he learned to use color. And he's now at the point where he's on like 1024 different shades of color. Wow. And so you may well think, oh, I can't learn that. But because it's sensory, you you assimilate it and you yeah. learn to really work with it. So mm. there's massive scope for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really incredible. Um, no, I think that's really promising. Uh, and also, again, from a restart perspective, it's just a really simple headset that works with your smartphone. So mm-hmm. mm. it's it's not a whole new set of kit you need to buy. It's just this, this add-on. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, like, let's look a bit at what is on the market because we've talked about 3D sound as this kind of like big new thing yeah. but a lot of people haven't really heard of it or know what it is i mean my housemates included me included before i started researching <laughs> <this>. <laughs> um so i mean we've had a look online and there's this thing called 3D sound labs and they've got a 3D module that you can buy which mm. attaches to your headphones or a whole new set of headphones and i mean what do we think of that like why why are they selling 3d headphones i mean
1: yeah um i, I had a look at this um because they have a kind of gaming setup um and it didn't really make sense <laughs> to yeah. be honest um it was weird because they basically uh made a made a product that um spatializes your audio depending on where your head's moving um which is kind of cool, I guess. If you're listening to music, it could be an interesting thing. You're just walking down the street, and you're kind of changing the way your 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 sound your music sounds by just looking around. It's an interesting idea. Um, but with the gaming one, they're kind of saying, um, "Yeah, this is designed for first-person games where uh, you can move your head in real in real life, and it will change the sound in the game to mimic that." But with a first-person game, you're kind of already doing that with the controller or with the with the mouse so you're kind of doing it twice which i don't think mm. sounds like a nice experience yeah. <laughs> it'd get pretty weird pretty quickly again for vr it makes total sense um but i'm sorry to say that the sound is already built into most vr programs to do mm. that so i don't really know where this extra technology would be helping with that you could do this with a normal pair of headphones yeah. essentially
0: And I mean, what do we think also, Ben, about like Mm. what you were saying with these speakers, kind of you having to lie in exactly the right position Mm. for it to work and certain things like that. I mean, is this going to be like the 3D TV thing where everyone buys a load of 3D TVs and then realizes (sighs) after about a week Mm. that actually, you know, they were fine before?
2: Yeah, that's how I feel about it is um, there's going to be some really cool use cases, but the majority of of existing media is going to be fine as it is. Um, and so, you know, no, it's not going to be in every home, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel.
1: And I think there's definitely, um, there's a kind of link between technology and uh, the experience that is kind of important. You know, you go to the cinema because you experience the film in a, in a huge dark room with an incredible sound system on a huge mm-hmm. screen with loads of other people. It's the same as what we're talking about with mm-hmm. the gig, you know, basically. You don't really want to re- replicate that in your own home because... Mm the experience is part of you know the mm-hmm. whole the whole thing you kind of you need that uh excitement of leaving your house and going and doing something special yeah i mm. mean
0: it's literally just finding more ways to bring life into the home isn't it it's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah it's funny i think like it's it's a shame that the first, the thing that tends to happen with the invention of these new technologies is that the first first thing like people to cotton onto it are the people trying to sell it as a sort of consumer technology mm, yeah. and what we've kind of said about 3D sound and I think also to a degree VR is like it's main the most exciting application of that is in sort of communal spaces and like big projects like artistic projects where mm-hmm. I mean like why isn't that the first thing to sort of emerge When why why this rush to kind of instantly get it to like a perfected consumer product I mean surely it should be like exploring it like in a more experimental mm. way, in these kind mm. of more artistic settings, before it becomes this, everyone must have one individually mm. that they use.
2: I wonder if maybe there is a big research and development cost that means that they have to associate it with a return and marketing. Yeah, of yeah.
1: course. And I mean, the the thing is, is that it kind of helps that it works this way around because, you know, for example, lower cost VR headsets, it's much easier to to make your technology, you know, on a low cost VR headset than it is to make your own low cost VR headset, and, yeah. you know it doesn't it's that's a really difficult thing to do so i think it's kind of essential in a way even if it might not be exactly what we agree with but it does help uh, artists to kind of you know innovate using technology that they can get freely hmm.
0: yeah that's true i guess yeah i mean that's a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> um, just to finish off we've had some interesting tech news this week which is that Johnny Ive, who was the chief design officer of Apple, um, is the new chancellor of the RCA. Mm. Uh, And the previous one was James Dyson, um, who they were obviously quite keen to disassociate from when he came out as a Brexiteer. Um, But Johnny Ive was named the most influential person in British culture, according to a 2004 BBC poll. Um, It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that he's... Like now, the cha- I think it's like an, it's an honorary role. Mm. It's not um, actually yeah, a role, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, him sort of, what's he going to be teaching these design students about about mm. design? Is it well,
2: <laughs> like well, that's it. You know, he's going to have some influence on on the image of the RCA and and how they kind yeah. of reach out and, and and what they do and how they get involved. So hopefully, he'll steer it in an interesting direction. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, but it's kind of it's I guess it's a bit problematic considering what we've said about Apple sort of. Yeah. designing the product so that users can't get into them. I mean, is that something mm. that we want to be seeing as like the next trend in design, is it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, as because, you know, as, as restarters, you know, we don't really want to see that. But I guess if you're talking from a capitalist perspective, uh, designing a product that's super expensive and everyone wants a brand new version of every single year, that's the absolute pinnacle of design, isn't it, yeah. essentially? <laughs>
0: I mean, interestingly as well, we mentioned that um, he went to, a Johnny I went to a polytechnic actually himself, mm-hmm. and that sort of type of design education is becoming more and more rare or more and more dissociated from the actual mm-hmm. design part. Um, and so, yeah, he's kind of like a real contradiction, this character, but mm. it'll be interesting... I mean, Ben, you, mm. you're an engineering student, like what's your perspective on polytechnics versus sort of design courses?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm, um, I'm a practical person rather than academic, so my university was a polytechnic and, and now they're a, a university. It's, you know, everything is academic, everything is learn in the classroom and then be assessed. Where traditionally things like design were vocational, so you would go to an apprenticeship, you would learn the role from a, a senior person and then you would go and do the work, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a disconnect
0: now. Right. Okay. Well, that's us. We're going to wrap up now. Um, uh, if you would like help fixing anything with a plug or a battery, including headphones, radios, and old audio, our next restart party is the twelfth of June at Kentish Town Community Centre, and we have a women's skill share tomorrow night on circuits and test meters um, for beginners. So visit our website. Um, resartproject.org or find us on Twitter and Facebook for more information. Um, thanks to OptoNoise and Dougie's Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs and discard electronics. Um, we're here every week on Tuesdays at 1.30pm. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>